we're in a series on Daniel. And a couple weeks ago, uh, we saw that uh, we were introduced to these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, friends of Daniel, uh, Hebrews, who as young men were forcibly removed from their homeland, Israel, and hauled off to Babylon as captives, and they were, they were forced to go through the Babylonian education system, and they became officials in the Babylonian empire. But they resolved, this is what we saw in week one, they resolved not to be defiled by the king's food. In other words, they're in a foreign land. Uh, no one around them is trying to worship and serve God. But they say, despite being dislocated, despite being completely countercultural, we are going to remain faithful to God. We're going to live in such a way that we remain righteous even in a very wicked society. So they resolved not to defile themselves with the king's food. Uh, and they took some very practical and aggressive steps to make that happen. And so I have been personally very challenged by that uh, uh, over the last few weeks. Been, and I, I've been asking myself repeatedly, have I resolved not to be defiled? Because the fact of the matter is we live in a culture where there's a whole lot of temptation. There's a lot of corruption, a lot that can defile us. And it is beckoning to us. And unless we are resolved not to be defiled, unless we take very practical steps, we will just be conformed to the pattern of this world, which in, in many ways displeases God. Um, I, I, I think... This is the case in many places, but I, I can't. I think it is most acutely felt in, in this in the area of the sexuality. We live in a sexually perverse culture, uh, and there there is intentional marketing that is trying to uh, defile us, trying to entice us, and appeals to our sin nature and our base baser instincts. Come, participate, and be defiled, and. I don't think we will escape that unless, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we resolve, I will not be defiled by this ungodly culture. So I've been challenged by that. I hope you're challenged by it. Now, I say that because today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lay their very lives on the line in order to remain loyal to God. And I don't think it was uh, a new decision. I think it's just all part of that trajectory that we saw uh, from, from them as young men, where they, had, they wanted a, a spiritual life that God could be proud of and that God would bless and that would bring true spiritual life. And so n now they're a little bit older, um, and the, the test is, is even more acute, but they have the same guys who had resolved not to be defiled say, we'll lay, lay our very lives down in order to remain loyal to our God. Now, this is an exciting story. <laughs> this is a story with a great miracle and some great characters, uh, big personalities. It is pretty, it, it's fun to read. It's super exciting. But it's meant to, way more than to entertain, right? It's meant to instruct us. And, and sometimes the characters in the Bible story, we are meant to look at and say, don't do that. And then sometimes there are men and women who, who are examples for us of this is what it looks like to honor the Lord 
in this world, in this life, right here and now, do like they did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in today's story, they're examples to us. And as we read this story, we are meant to ask ourselves, would I have done what they did? Would I have made the choices Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made? Would I have laid my life down in order to remain loyal to my God? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel chapter 3. So we're in a series on the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 3. If you miss any of the sermons, you can catch up online at clearwater.church, or you can download the Clearwater Church app and uh, listen to the podcast. Chapter 3, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar. We know about King Nebuchadnezzar. We've already been introduced to him. He is the king of Babylon. Babylon at this time is the most mighty empire in the world by far. So Nebuchadnezzar is like king of kings. He is the top dog on planet earth. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. 90 feet tall, six, uh, 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Last week, in chapter 2, we learned about this dream Nebuchadnezzar had about a giant statue. The head was gold, the chest was silver, torso was bronze, the legs were iron, the feet were iron-clay mixture. Daniel had interpreted that dream and said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Your kingdom will be followed by another kingdom, represented by the silver chest, and, by a, and that kingdom by another kingdom, represented by the bronze and so forth. But eventually, a, a giant boulder, not cut by human hands, representing the kingdom of God, his Messiah, will crush the statue into pieces and, and then end up growing and filling the whole earth. And saying, that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom will be followed by other kingdoms, but eventually the kingdom of God will crush them all, and all that will remain is the kingdom of God, which in, obviously is meant to help Nebuchadnezzar get the proper perspective about his uh, temporary, albeit very lavish kingdom. You're not going to last, and God's kingdom will, will, will be the last one standing. But Nebuchadnezzar might have been fixated on the, I'm the head of gold. In fact, I'm going to make a whole 90-foot, 9-foot wide statue of gold. We don't know exactly what the point was, but very probably he got captivated with being the head of gold. So there's this giant image that he makes. It's not solid gold, and I'm certain it would have been just gold-plated, but impressive nonetheless. And he sets it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, the capital. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He rules over a vast empire, and he's got government officials spread all over the world. And so he, he calls them all back to the capital. Come back to Babylon. We're going to dedicate this image. And so 
they come back. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you're to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. This is a loyalty oath, a loyalty test. What's Nebuchadnezzar trying to do? Well, Notice, you've got, you got people who, his empire is so vast, uh, there are people who speak different languages, right? Uh, from different nations that he's conquered, different people groups. And, and he knows that they might have uh, these sub-identities and these sub-loyalties, right? I, you know, I speak Tagalog. And uh, that's, that's who I am, that's my loyalty. Or I'm part of the, the old Parthian kingdom. Or, uh, and he, he says, he doesn't try to disrupt that, crush that. He just says, look, you're going to bow down and worship this statue, this image that I have made, because your ultimate loyalty must be to me. So by bowing down in worship, he's saying, I am commanding not just your physical obedience, I want your soul. I have to be number one in your life, top dog in your life. That's what he's doing. And if you're not willing to give me that kind of total buy-in, total allegiance, total service, you're dead. You will immediately be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. I will allow uh, uh, no partial loyalty. It's all or nothing. He doesn't say you can resign, right? You're going to die. What are the people going to do? Verse 7, Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They all said, okay, <laughs> you're, you're the big dog. You're the most powerful. You're the king of kings. And if that's, the, if that's the kind of loyalty you demand, ultimate loyalty, we'll give it to you. That's, that's what makes sense. And, and they don't want to give up their lives, right? Okay. <laughs> If we have to give you that kind of service, that kind of loyalty in order to live and retain our positions of power, all right. And so they, they all bow down and worship. Well, well, what about the Jews? Did the Jews do that? How could the Jews do that? Because God had told the Jews, I'm a jealous God, and you're not to serve or bow down to anyone but me. In Exodus chapter 20, the very first of the Ten Commandments that God gave His people through Moses on Mount Sinai reads like this, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me, or besides me is another translation, uh, 
You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God remains a jealous God. If you want to be a Christian who lives in right relationship with your God, then you must be wholeheartedly loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to share His glory with another in your life. He does not want to share your loyalty. He wants to be number one. The, he wants your ultimate loyalty to be to Him. He wants to sit on the throne of our lives. That is what God demands from His people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this. They were committed to obeying the law of God. They were committed to keeping God number one. And so what we're going to see is that they did not. They were the exception. They did not bow. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. It's malicious not because they lie, but because their motives are malicious. Uh, they're looking for an opportunity to knock Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego down. They were probably jealous that Nebuchadnezzar had given these foreigners such great power in Babylon. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. By the way, nobody ever says that to me. <laughs> you, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Nebuchadnezzar is like, yeah, I did. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a fiery furnace. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. Well, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You appointed them. They, they owe you. I mean, their, their positions of power are due to your largesse. Well, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. What? You don't matter to them. They're not interested in you or what's good for you. They don't serve your gods, so they don't have your worldview or your value system, or worship the golden image you've set up. They flat out are disobeying you. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is used to being obeyed and not used to being defied, uh, and so he flies into a rage. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I've set up? Now, you've got to give Nebuchadnezzar credit for not just um, acting upon the accusation of another. He interrogates him in them himself. And he gives them kind of a, a, a second chance, a do-over. Verse 19, Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image I've made, well and good, right? We'll excuse what happened before. Maybe you guys had to run to the bathroom. I don't know. I don't care. But right now, if you will 
bow down and worship. Copacetic, we're all, it's, we'll, we'll forget about the past, we're okay. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, it took enough, took, took guts already when the whole crowd around you was bowing down to worship to stand. But unless these Chaldeans had ratted them out, it's very possible they could have gotten away with it. But now they're in front of the king and he's staring at them, he's looking right at him. And he's saying, do it. Bow down and worship. If you do, you will live. If you do, you'll retain your positions. You'll retain your favor with me. Everything could just stay the same. But if you don't, immediately you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. What would you have done? I mean, really, take a moment and just, if, if that, if I were there and that were posed to me, what would I have done? Well, I don't think we would do what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did unless we were confident there is a God and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. If we didn't believe in the future resurrection of the dead for the follower of Jesus Christ, if we are overly enamored with this world and that's where our heart is, that's what we enjoy and look forward to and want. If we're enamored with this world, I don't think we would say, defy the king. So what in your heart and what in your life has to shift and how far does it have to shift for you to become like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And do you want that shift? Because if you want it, God can make it happen by His Holy Spirit through the truth of His Word. Well, Nebuchadnezzar ends with this question, which is really a rhetorical statement, and I think it's the one you should underline. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar is convinced that the reason everyone should give ultimate loyalty to him is because he believes he has ultimate power. He is the king of kings. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if I snap my fingers, you go to the furnace. Or I can say, continue on. I am the ultimate power in your life, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so you need to do what I tell you to do. What God could possibly rescue you from me? I'm not so sure Nebuchadnezzar was, I don't know how religious he was. I think at the end of the day, he believed, I'm the guy. I have the power, you should be serving and worshiping me. That's what makes sense to a secularist, to somebody who does not have a proper perspective of, of reality, which is there is a creator God 
who actually cares about us, has a personal relationship with us, has a will and interacts in our world and ultimately will set up his kingdom and, and we can join him or not. What God could possibly rescue you from my hand? Nebuchadnezzar doesn't believe there is a God who can do that. Verse 16. By the way, who do you think is the, is the ultimate power in your life? Who has ultimate power in your mind and in your heart? God forbid it's your child or a spouse or an employer or the human government. If so, you're not living in reality. In fact, I would say the vast majority of people on planet Earth have a worldview that is wrong. The Bible gives us reality, the correct perspective on, on the universe. And when we live out of its truth, we live in reality, which is why we can live most abundantly and, and have the healthiest life. But the vast majority of people on planet Earth are deluded at some level. And they live out of that delusion. And so they find themselves just heading into cul-de-sac after cul-de-sac after cul-de-sac and never finding what they truly long for. The life that God has made us for. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. <laughs> what God can possibly save you? Our God can rescue us from your hand. He can rescue us from the fiery furnace and anything else you could throw at us. God is sovereign in our lives, not you, Nebuchadnezzar. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. We're not going to bow. When I was in high school, my brother Jim and I liked to listen to this Brian Duncan song before we'd go to school. Not going to bow to your idols. Not going to bow, oh no. Starts with, all Johnny wanted was just to fit in. To be accepted, he must act like them. He said, no, no. And we'd get all psyched up to go to school and live for Jesus. It was pretty cool. I had a good older brother. He was a good older brother. So we're not going to do it. We're not going to bow down. Now, here's what I want you to see. Foxhole prayers go like this. I'm in a troubled situation, God. If you get me through then I'll serve you. Then I'll worship you. That's not what they do. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, you're threatening us with the fiery furnace. God can rescue us from the fiery furnace. But if not, but, he, but we don't know. He might not in this situation rescue us from the fiery furnace. He might let us die. We don't know. But regardless of what God decides in this current trouble... We're not going to serve other gods, and we're not going to bow down to, to the statue. We won't be disloyal to God. We have resolved to serve God regardless of how He resolves our current problem. Do you have that kind of faith? I see it 
As a pastor, I have seen this over and over and over again. The people of God who are in a great trial, and they say, God, I know you can rescue me. I want you to rescue me. I ask for you to rescue me. Heal my body. Change the heart of my spouse. Return my child to you. But God, I will be faithful to you no matter what you decide because I trust you. You will rescue me, and it might not be until the resurrection. And so, God, I give you my heart's desire, but I trust you, and I'm open-handed, and I will be faithful to you no matter what you do in today's trouble. Do you, do you feel that? That's the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They trust God. They have entrusted themselves to God, and they made that decision a long time before this. We will be loyal to God, period. And let God decide how He's going to run our day-to-day life, because eventually He will rescue us out of, the, out of the king's hand. He can, He will rescue us. See, they know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know, that Nebuchadnezzar's power over their bodies is temporary, it's for this world. And God will rescue us out of the hand of the tyrant. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is not used to being defied like this. So he was already in a furious rage, and now he just freaks out. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed. Like he's just, Rah! he's in a rager. It was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Now, what's that all about? Heat the fire hotter. Get it as hot as you possibly can. He's obviously not trying to... I mean, it was already... It's already hot enough to kill him. And if you want to torture him, get it to be just hot enough so that they survive as long. He's, he's trying to assert his... his control over them. I do have power over your lives, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Heat that fire. When you go into that fire, it's game over. Your life will end so fast, and that is a demonstration of how I am in control, not you. And you throw your life away when you defy me. I am the ultimate power. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound, he's talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so... There's no question that this fire is hot enough to kill. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And at this point, we should read the epilogue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego died that day, but their legend lives on, and they showed us what it looks like to defy the tyranny of of kings gone wild. But that's not what we read. Instead, we read verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, 
did not we cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to him, to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. God does not always rescue us from the fire, but he promises to be with us in the fire. And what is the greatest fire that you and I will face? It's the fire of death. And Jesus Christ has rescued us from that fire. He will bring us through. His death on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. When we repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ, our relationship with God is restored. Our sins are forgiven, taken as far away as the east is from the west, remembered no more. We, we, are, we become good in God's sight. And then when we die, Jesus' resurrection defeated the power of death once and for all. And, and He was the first fruits, and, and He promises that His followers... The same Holy Spirit that brought him forth from the dead will bring us back to life. Jesus, who we don't know for sure, but it, it could have been an angel, but it also could have been a, a, a pre-incarnate um, revelation of Jesus with these guys in the fire. Either way, it's God, whether it's through his angel or, or himself, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. And God will be with you, whatever, whatever trials He lets you go through. Because remember, even though a lot of the trials we face are a result of our own making or other people's wicked acts against us, and God's not responsible for any of that, God still is with us in it and will see us through. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego servants of the Most High God. He's getting it. Whoa, there is a God who can rescue you out of my hand. And you're his servants, servants of the Most High God. Come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. The fire didn't touch them. But remember, they're unbound. So what, did the fire burn off? The, 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 the ropes that were binding them. Isn't that awesome? God had set them free in the fire while he protected them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. I think out of the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar comes the, the application for you and me. Because notice what he is praising uh, Nebuchadnezzar, well, he's praising God, but he's saying, God, you, you saw Neb what Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and, and you honored them for that. And here's what they, the king says they did. Number one, they trusted in him. They trusted in God in the most intense uh, moment 
where their very lives were on the line. They trusted God. Number two, they set aside the king's command. In other words, they defied me, the most powerful person in the, in, in the, in the world at that time. And they yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. They said, here, you may kill me, but I will not worship and serve any, any other god. And, and Nebuchadnezzar noticed what they did. He, and he said, God saw that. And God rescued them as a result. And so, blessed be God. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Nebuchadnezzar is, he's a violent hothead. And so now he's like, oh, there's a most high God. Let's just shred everybody who irritates him. Okay, we're going to tear them from limb to limb. Their houses shall be laid in ruins. There's no other God who's able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So I have here a resolution, right? A couple weeks ago, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego resolved not to be polluted. And here's a resolution I think is, comes out of this text for us. And we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to read it. Talk a little bit about it, and then I'm going to ask you to say this out loud together with all of us. But here it is. I resolve to be loyal to Jesus Christ unto death. Now, in our circumstances, we might not feel the urgency of that. But make no mistake, Christians throughout history, and Christians in some parts of the world today, that is a resolution that means something, because they know I might very well give my life for my faith in Christ. I resolve, there have been tens upon tens of thousands of Christians over the last couple, uh, 2,000 years, who have done exactly that. And they did what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and God did not rescue them. He did, but He let them die. And now they're with him in heaven. I resolve to be loyal to Jesus Christ unto death. I will defy kings and yield my body to be killed rather than serve or worship another. God will rescue me. We have to believe that. God will rescue me. If not now, then at the resurrection. Are you willing to declare that out loud together? Is that the resolution you're making in your heart? Here we go, out loud together. I resolve to be loyal to Jesus Christ unto death. I will defy kings and yield up my body to be killed rather than serve or worship another. God will rescue me, if not now, then at the resurrection. And so when we make the big resolution, then we back up in all those little temptations and battles that we fight day to day to say, I'm going to say no to sin because I know 
that that doesn't line up with a with a life that a heart that is that gives God my ultimate loyalty. So may we not just put that into practice when we're standing before the king with death threats, but day by day showing a life where our ultimate loyalty is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. Lord, we thank you that you have recorded and preserved these stories for us to encourage us and teach us. Uh, Lord, we are inspired by the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But behind them is you, you who have the power and who care about us. And you see, you see your people who are loyal to you. And you act on our behalf. And Lord, we do believe in the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting. And nothing we do in this, in this life for you is forgotten. And we will be rewarded for all eternity. We cling to this hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.